What is going on, folks? Welcome to For the Record. My name is Alex, and I got a really great show for you this week. We are talking NFL preseason predictions, what teams I think have an obvious shot at title contention, and one team that's flying under everybody's radar and should not be. We're talking the NBA schedule release, matchups I'm looking forward to, my favorite Zion matchups, and also just matchups that are going to be really entertaining in general. Plus, my favorite segment, the Fantasy Minute, where I share some fantasy knowledge in two minutes or less that'll hopefully help your team go all the way to the championship and show off your skills. Super excited to get to it, but first, let's make sure you follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at ForTheRecordSP and subscribe on YouTube. The links will be in the description. If you like this episode, make sure to show some love wherever and whenever you listen to your podcasts. Cue the music. Let's start the show. When we're talking the NFL, I'm only thinking of the best teams out there. We've got such great teams in the league this year. Every single team is at least competitive or promising. There are very few teams in the league, bar one or two, that are totally just completely non-existent, non-factors, shouldn't even be considered to be in the NFL this season. Looking at a team like the Miami Dolphins, right? What do you get to get from Josh Rosen, the 32nd ranked offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus, and the rest of that horrendous team. You're not going to get anything from those guys. But in the NFC and the AFC, there are three teams in each conference that I think can really push the pedal to the metal, get to the Super Bowl, win the Vince Lombardi trophy. And one of them, one of them may shock you, but you know what? That's the point. I want people to understand that every single team can be in contention, one of which was and is no longer considered that, but will be this season. Do not doubt me. I am telling you, there will be this team in the playoffs this year contending for the Super Bowl. Let's get started with the NFC number one. We're looking at the Rams. I'm not going to spend too much time on the Rams because everybody talks about the Rams. Everybody knows that they're so good. They're so great. They've got such a good team, such a good coach. Everyone thinks that Sean McVay is the greatest coach of all time. Well, I hope... People don't think that because Sean McVay imploded in the Super Bowl last year. Yes, he did not have his star running back, but the offensive mastermind could not get past the guy that people say he reminds them of. Sean McVay is a superstar head coach. However, his team is what makes him better. The Rams last year were incredible when they were all healthy. This year, I guarantee you, if they are healthy, they are going to the Super Bowl again. There will be no Super Bowl hangover, and they're going to get that chip. They've got Todd Gurley coming back. Todd Gurley is a top three running back in the NFL. He would probably be number one if he could stay healthy, but he is a top three running back in the NFL and will run straight through defenses. Last year, this man put up well over the yardage that everyone expected for him. Everyone was expecting a big year. He did even more, and he did it half hurt. If he didn't get hurt in the playoffs, they would have won the Super Bowl. The Patriots would not have number six. They'd be crying about number six slipping through their hands. It would be the first opponent, too, out of the NFC East to have beaten them in the Super Bowl. But, 
I guess history does repeat itself. The Rams have lost to the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl now in their uh, history. But also, aside from Todd Gurley, you've also got Cooper Cup coming back. They didn't have Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup was a massive part of their team for the entire season. I know that because I would lose to him every time I would play fantasy and another team had Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup was incredible. Incredible. Without that go-to slot receiver, who did uh, uh, who did Jared Goff have to throw to? I mean, yes, he had Brandon Cooks. Yes, he had Robert Woods. Robert Woods was on and off last season. But without Cooper Cup to spread the field and just blow past defenders, he had nobody. But this year, if all these guys are healthy, they still have that same defense. Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the NFL. They are going to go to the Super Bowl, no doubt in my mind. Those boys have it lockdown. Number two, in my opinion, I don't want to hop on the bandwagon. I really don't, but I'm going to have to because I just really believe this team, if they can get their shit together, will be good. The Dallas Cowboys. That's right. The Dallas Cowboys are going to be the number two team in the NFC this season. Zeke comes back, barring ND injuries. They are winning the NFC East. They will be the number two team in the NFC. They are so good and so talented and so deep. These guys have everything that you would want from an NFL football team. The problem with the Cowboys is that they have too many personalities. Robert Quinn with the drugs, okay? You've got Zeke with his contract. You have Amari and Dak with their contracts, but Amari seems to be like he doesn't really care uh, what he gets. He'll probably just end up franchise tagging him at the end of the season. But reportedly, Dak turned down $30 million. Now, I love Dak Prescott, but he is not worth more than $30 million. Okay, So this man should have accepted that if they cannot get their off-field issues, their uh, and one issues done, they're going to run into some problems. But if they can figure all these things out, if they can get Zeke back on that field, oh my God, these guys are incredible. They have a quarterback who does not make mistakes. Yes, he may not be your flashy, elite, superstar quarterback, but he doesn't make mistakes. He will not cost you the game, right? You've got Zeke, who is the best running back in the NFL. We were just talking about Todd Gurley. Zeke is the best running back in the NFL, okay? And their defense, their defense is incredible. Leighton Vanderesh last year was probably the most impactful linebacker out there, okay? This guy wearing the rolls on his shoulder— I mean, <laughs> he looked like he was right out of the 1980s, and he played like it. He was incredible, okay? They have also have they also have Demarcus Lawrence. They have Byron Jones. They have an, an uh, just such a solid, powerful, powerful team that can really do damage anywhere. They play in a dome, so it's not going to matter in uh, later in December and January, right? And then also, let's say they play the Rams or... This other pick, the number three pick that I think is going to surprise a few people, those two teams either play in a dome or nice weather. So, <laughs> where's the problem? They'll be fine. Weather won't be an issue. They have an incredible kicker. So, the Cowboys are overrated and underrated at the same time. If Zeke comes back, this team will be number two in the NFC and have a serious, serious shot at making the Super Bowl. And now, with my Super uh, controversial pick, I say number three is the Atlanta Falcons. Now, you're probably sitting there just going, what did this man just say? I said the Atlanta 
Falcons. And I'm going to say it a third time so that way you can get it clear. Atlanta Falcons are going to be the third best team in the NFC this year. Okay, the Atlanta Falcons were in the Super Bowl just a few years ago. Yes, they had that 28 to three meltdown and haven't really been the same since. But when you look at the team on paper, okay, when you look at the team and what they can possibly do and put together with those boys down there in Atlanta, they are loaded. They have a top five receiving core, Muhammad Sanu. They have Calvin Ridley. Oh, (laughs) yeah, that's right. And the best wideout in the NFL in Julio Jones. The Atlanta Falcons are slept on completely. They have Dan Quinn, who was the mastermind of the Legion of Boom back in Seattle. Uh, This guy is going to take this defense and flip it on its head again. I think this defense is going to come back and make a roaring, roaring start in 2019. Uh, I think they're going to come back and become that defense that they were a few years ago when they went to the Super Bowl and assisted that offense to get there. But the thing is, success for them hinges on these defensive players actually showing up. Biggest person in the room, when they are talking and they need to figure their things out on defense, has to be Dan Quinn. He needs to make sure these guys understand and know who the boss is and what's going to happen if they do not perform. He has to hold guys like Vic Beasley right, and Ricardo Allen. Isaiah Oliver, Adrian Claiborne, he has to hold these guys to a standard. Desmond Trufant, Deion Jones, they need to be held to a standard, even though some of them may be star players, some of them may be a little young. It does not matter because they need to be held to a standard of success and of winning. If they can get there and he can hold them to that point and to that standard, oh, these guys are golden. They have the pieces and they have the teamwork, at least on the offense. They have an offense that can do something. They have a great offensive line. They have Matt Ryan. They can pull it off. That defense just has to come through. They also play in a dome, so it doesn't really matter in January what's going on outside, if it's cold, if it's not. If they can pull off the third uh, the third spot in the NFC here, they should be good until the NFC Championship, where they'll face maybe the Rams or my number two pick, the Cowboys, both of which play in either nice weather or a dome. So, therefore, the Falcons have a serious, serious shot to make the Super Bowl again if they can pull off this number three spot. Right, So if the Falcons can get all their pieces to work together defensively, I see this team having a limitless boundary. Okay, These guys could go to the Super Bowl and they could run other teams right out the building. Devontae Freeman is going to come back to form. I'm telling you, he was injured last year. It was not a fair fight for him last year, but this year he's ready. That offensive line is ready, and they know what they have to do to protect this star running back and also protect Matt Ryan so he can get the ball into the hands of these top receivers. Calvin Ridley is a second year is a second year player coming after his rookie season which he was incredible. Okay, he was so good. Do you remember that game? I believe it was three or four touchdowns that he caught in one game. I think it was week 4 of the season last year. Calvin Ridley is very very good. And to play off of Julio Jones, they have two serious options on the outside and then they also have Mohamed Sanu running right through the middle. So this team has an opportunity, has a shot to make a name for themselves, make noise, and make people forget about that 28-3 collapse that they faced against the hands of the Patriots. But if I had to pick a fourth team in the NFC, if I had to, I'd say the Seahawks. And that's just for the fact that I can never count out Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. 
Those two guys make magic happen. They are such a good tandem. Pete Carroll is an incredible coach. Russell Wilson is such a good quarterback, and he's so underrated, undervalued. I don't think that you can ever count the Seahawks out. They're definitely going to make the playoffs. I can almost guarantee that 100% that they will be making the playoffs. So why not? the Seahawks, right? Why not believe that they can do it? They retooled a little bit this offseason. They traded Frank Clark, but they got in another a bunch of other players that can actually do things for them. <laughs> you know, they got the TCU defensive end, uh, LJ Collier, right? They also picked up DK Metcalf, who is going through some surgery right now, but will be ready early on in the season, according to reports from the Seahawks camp. But they have a team there. They really do. Doug Baldwin retired, but they have DK Metcalf now, right? And they still have everybody else on that offense. They have a they have a kind of a revolving door at running back, but that's okay because they have Russell Wilson. Teams are going to care more about Russell Wilson running and throwing than they are going about than they're going to care about the running back. So if Russell Wilson can continue what he's been doing the past few years, pretty much his whole career, they'll be fine. They'll be totally all right. You're not going to have an issue with the Seahawks. The Seahawks are going to come in and, just like always, give everybody a run for their money. So do not count out the Seahawks. Now, I don't think, out of the rest of the NFC, there are a lot of other teams that people think are competitive. The Bears, I don't trust Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I don't know if I ever will, but I certainly do not trust Mitch Trubisky this season. Uh, The Packers, with all their internal struggles, they are... Such an emotional team. And emotion in football is very good, but not when it's between your teammates, the star and the coach. That is bad emotion, and that's going to end up very ugly in Green Bay. Uh, As for the Niners, a lot of people have been saying the Niners are a hot pick to bet on. I don't see it. Jimmy G has played, I think I can count on two hands how many times Jimmy G has played in the past three seasons. Yes, it's not his fault he keeps getting injured, and he also was a career backup to Tom Brady beforehand. But you can't just assume that players, just because of their name, are going to be good. You can't just assume that Richard Sherman, who's, what, like 33 years old now, is going to still be Richard Sherman from his Seahawks days. You can't just assume these things. Even even their offense, uh, their uh, who is that tight end? Their tight end from last season who took the world by storm. Yeah, he was great last year. But is he going to be good this year? You don't know. You don't. You do not know. You never know. But people continue to say that the 49ers are going to be this elite team and they're going to be a good team. They're going to be a playoff team. And I just, I don't buy it. I That is a team I do not buy. I'm not going to talk about the Vikings. The Vikings have just, they, they have such a bad quarterback situation. They've always had such a bad quarterback situation. Not even going to bother with the Vikings. The Eagles, the Eagles are a team that I wish I could say are going to compete this year in the NFC, but I Carson Wentz gets hurt so often. He's been getting hurt since college. I don't know if they will actually be able to come through and go through with this. Uh, I don't see him lasting the whole season because, I mean, the past two years from the sample size that we have, he hasn't been able to play a full season. So it's not it's not a team that I want to count out, but I'm going to have to because of their quarterback injury issues. As for Cam and the Panthers, I mean... What is there to say about Cam and the Panthers that hasn't already been said, right? Cam seems like he's growing up a little bit. Maybe we hope that he's growing up a little bit, but you're never really sure with Cam Newton. Cam Newton is a very uh, out there, flamboyant, look-at-me kind of quarterback, and although very talented, 
he brings a lot of baggage with him. And also, the team has kind of failed him. They haven't given him receivers. So he has Christian McCaffrey, and who else? Cam Newton is a very good quarterback, who if he had a wide receiver that was half as good as, let's see, I don't know, Julian Edelman, Edelman, he would be incredible. He would have a perfect target, and that offense would flow better, especially with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. But he doesn't. That's the unfortunate part. He really does not. The Saints... I think the Saints are going to run out of gas. Uh, I don't see Drew Brees in a 40-plus-year-old age season doing that well. I mean, he already started slowing down last year. You kind of saw it. He picked it up in the playoffs again, but you kind of saw it towards the end of the regular season. I I think they they are really running out of gas now. If Kamara goes down, I don't know what's going to happen to that offense because everyone knows that Drew Brees is going to throw the ball. Um they do have that exciting Taysom Hill kid. He is very cool to watch. Apparently, people are saying uh, that he's going to take over for Drew Brees when he retires and uh, leapfrog over Teddy Bridgewater. I don't see that happening, but I, it'd be cool to see if it does because that guy can play literally any position. So that would be a lot of fun. Uh, and as for the rest of the NFC, there's no team that's really that exciting. I mean, you have the Buccaneers with Jameis Winston. Uh, who it's a make-it-or-break-it season for him, so I hope for his sake that he can pull it off. But, it's J- again, it's Jameis Winston, so we'll see what happens with him. And, and the other teams aren't really worth mentioning. The Giants, I guess, with their quarterback controversy, Daniel Jones, Eli Manning. I mean, John Mara said Eli Manning's going to be the quarterback no, pretty much no matter what. And so what do you think Pat Shermer's going to do? Obviously play Eli Manning. So unless Eli Manning goes down with an injury, I don't see Daniel Jones playing at all this season. So for all the Giants fans out there, I'm so sorry. But your quarterback of the future, if he is your quarterback of the future, he's not getting any minutes this year. Moving on to my top three AFC teams. This first one, again, going to keep it short. What's already What I'm going to say has already been said. The Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody loves the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is the most likable quarterback in the NFL this year. Actually, since last year. Everybody loves Mahomes. Mahomes can do anything and everything on the field. He can literally be running sideways and throw it for 70 yards. This kid is incredible. But the problem with the Chiefs and the only silver lining I see with the Chiefs in a negative light is the fact that they have so many off-field issues and injury issues. So if they can stay on the field, they can stay healthy, they can stay out of trouble, right? Tyreek Hill doesn't start threatening his kids again. They will be fine. And they'll go into the Super Bowl. I I have no, like, rebuttal, discussion, anything. They will be a Super Bowl lock if those guys can all stay healthy and can all uh, stay on the field and stay out of trouble. There's no debating that. That's what's going to happen if the Chiefs can pull that off. But if not, if there's a little bit of issue here, an injury here, an injury to a big position like tight end or wide receiver, then you're going to start seeing issues with the Chiefs, and then their spot's going to go away. But as it stands right now, the Chiefs are the Super Bowl lock. I could see Chiefs-Rams. Literally, I could close my eyes and see Chiefs-Rams happening right now. Number two, the L.A. Chargers. Phillip Rivers is hungry for a Super Bowl. Folks, What to be a 35-, 36-year-old quarterback who's been incredible his entire career, and has never won a Super Bowl, that's got to sting. That that has to be the worst feeling in the world. This guy is basically like Dan Marino, obviously not as good as Dan Marino, but basically the same situation where he spends his whole career just 
grinding away at this one team and doesn't ever get to win the chip. Has Phillip Rivers even been in the Super Bowl? No, he has not. No, but this season, he has his best opportunity. That defense, top five defense in the NFL. Top five, no debate. That is what is that is what the Clippers are. Or, I'm sorry, the Clippers. The Chargers are rolling out there this season. They are rolling out a top five defense. The NBA LA Clippers are as well. But the Chargers are doing that. They also have an incredible offense. Melvin Gordon's situation is a little unfortunate. I really wish that they would have figured something out there. But if Melvin Gordon gets traded, is what it is. They were even better last year without him. So if that does happen. They're going to get assets back, whether it be some picks, a player, two players. They are going to be okay. The Chargers are elite, and this is the best year and the last year that they have a chance to actually pull this off with Phillip Rivers and the core they have right now uh, before they have to look for a new quarterback. Number three, ah, God, as a lifelong Jets fan, I hate, I hate having to admit this, and I'm sure everyone already knows who I'm talking about. The New England Patriots are the number three pick for me in the AFC. I have to give credit to where credit's due. They've won six Super Bowls with Brady and Belichick. They just got Josh Gordon back. They have Edelman, that new rookie tight end. Brady seems to like him. They seem to have a good chemistry. You can never count out the New England Patriots. Literally never. I don't think Tom Brady's going to fall off a cliff, at least this season. Um, This might be his last season being very good, but... Again, until I see some actual evidence of Tom Brady declining, I'm not going to buy it, not going to believe it. Patriots are probably going to win the AFCs this year with the Jets being a very, very close second, if not vying for first. Uh, But the Patriots have it. They have the defense. Even though you look at the roster and it's like, okay, who are half these people? Bill Belichick always finds a way to make it work. He always does a running back committee, always has incredible running backs, always has a revolving door for wide receivers, always has incredible receivers. The only constant steady piece is Tom Brady. Even though they lost Trent Brown to the Oakland Raiders for an absurd amount of money, he will have a fine offensive line. That team will be fine. And as long as Brady plays like Brady has played his entire career, they will be going to the NFC Championship and facing off against the Chargers or the Chiefs. Easily, I can ju- I, I can tell you that right now if there's no decline. But if I had to pick a fourth team, just to make it fair, make it even, like I did this with the NFC, I'm going to throw everyone for a loop here. Hear me out. Hear me out. The Oakland Raiders. Yep. Let that sink in for a second. The Oakland Raiders can be a playoff team this year. Why? Well, the Oakland Raiders have a wide receiver in Antonio Brown that if he can stay on the team and they don't cut him, John Gruden doesn't get sick of him, he will help Derek Carr become the quarterback that he always needed to be. Derek Carr is on a make-it-or-break-it season. There is literally no chance for him in the NFL after this year if he does not prove that he belongs here, that he belongs in a starting job. Because if he sucks this year, Gruden will cut him, or they I, I believe his contract's up, um, or he'll get traded, right, midway through the season. Gruden will get rid of him. Who knows if he'll start again? He probably won't. If he has a bad season this year, he definitely won't. So 
Derek Carr needs this season. Antonio Brown wants to show that he's a stud, even without Big Ben throwing to him. So Antonio Brown is going to do everything in his power to make sure that Derek Carr is a good quarterback this year. They've got a solid offensive line. Now, solid is relative, right? I'm not saying they have the Cowboys offensive line or the Colts offensive line, but I am saying that they have a solid offensive line that's significantly better than it was last year, especially with the addition of Trent Brown. Their defense... I think their defense is going to be fun to watch. Vontez Burfitt, say what you will, say what you will. He's a dirty player. He's not the greatest guy, but he is entertaining to watch because of the way he plays football. He plays football like football is meant to be played, a very physical, aggressive game, and that's what he does. And that's the type of guy that they put in there and put on that side of the ball. The Raiders, John Gruden, want to bring that team back to the 80s, back to the 70s, back when they had these defenses that would scare teams when they'd even walk into the building. I think the Raiders have a serious shot to make the playoffs or just miss it. Do not sleep on the Raiders. Keep your eyes on them. They will surprise you. I guarantee it. As for the rest of the AFC, I love the Texans. I think Deshaun Watson and that whole team is incredible. I just don't think they can stay healthy. They have so many injury issues. I mean, Deshaun Watson is one of the toughest quarterbacks in the NFL. I give all the props to this guy, but I just don't think they can stay healthy. I don't think that offensive line is going to protect him. He was one of the most sacked quarterbacks last season. He was top five, actually, in uh, QB sacks right near Josh Rosen, which is ironic and kind of funny. Uh, then you have the Colts. I, I don't even... I don't even think anybody knows what's going on with the Colts. Uh, Andrew Luck is just an enigma. He hasn't been the same in years. Pretty much since Deflategate, he hasn't been the same. Uh, he's always getting injured. He's always just... Uh, the poor guy's falling apart completely. He's not the quarterback that people thought he would be post Peyton Manning. Uh, I think skill-wise, he's it's there. It's all there. But he just can't stay on the field. And if you can't stay on the field, you can't say that somebody's better or even reaches the heights and potentials uh, that they should be at. Then, you know, they have the Ravens, who are super, super entertaining. I'm actually, I'm personally going to be watching Ravens games. Going to go out of my way even if I have to, because Lamar Jackson is just that exciting. He sells tickets. He's a showstopper. He's got Hollywood Brown out there. That team is going to be really fun to watch. Uh, the Steelers are super under the radar. I honestly couldn't even tell you what they're doing this offseason uh, during training camp. Nothing like they they've had probably the quietest camp they've had in years. I think I've heard about as much as them as I have about the Detroit Lions, which I honestly forgot was a franchise uh, this offseason because I haven't heard a single thing come from them at all. And then the last AFC team I'm going to talk about is the Jets. Now, being a lifelong Jets fan, I've seen what the Jets can do. And it peaked with Mark Sanchez in the AFC conference game. But there you can never go into a season as a Jets fan thinking this is our year. Because every time you go into a season thinking this is our year, a man who lives in New England, in Massachusetts, near Foxborough, and plays every Sunday in Foxborough, comes and ruins our day twice a year, and then also eliminates us from the playoffs every year. Every year. So I never hold this like Jets are going to be the best team in the AFC East. The Jets are going to be the best team in the AFC because I know how it goes. I have serious, serious excitement for this season, though, because Adam Gase is an incredible coach. Sam Darnold looks like he is taking that next step to superstardom. 
Jets haven't had a superstar quarterback since Joe Namath and Le'Veon Bell. If Le'Veon Bell is still a Le'Veon Bell of two years ago, <laughs> we've got a damn good team. That defense is great too. Jamal Adams, easily the best safety in the league right now. So that's going to be exciting to watch. But I I don't want to get overexcited for them uh, because of pretty much every other year. And as for the NFL's most popular team this offseason, the Cleveland Browns, honestly, I'd leave it up to a coin flip. Uh, when the season starts, I'm going to flip a coin. If it's heads, we'll say that the Browns are going to be successful. If it's tails, they're going to fall apart. Because that's how it's going to go. Nobody knows. They're so talented on paper, but they have the same issue that the Raiders have, right? Except the Raiders, I think, have a better uh, central uh, authority figure in John Gruden, where the Browns have Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens is probably a great coach. Baker Mayfield seems to love Freddie Kitchens. But the problem with Freddie Kitchens is he's unproven, and he didn't take any of the steps that most coaches take to get to where they got to go, to become that head coach, right? He... I don't know if he can hold the locker room. Nobody knows if he can hold the locker room. Kind of the same situation with Cliff Kingsbury, and that's already that's all <clears throat> already being becoming obvious in Arizona that Cliff Kingsbury is not really the guy. We don't know. We don't know if he'll even last the whole season. But back to uh, Freddie Kitchens. I hope I hope he can pull it off because the Browns are going to be super super fun to watch. I mean, they have so many personalities and guys who are just entertaining football players and studs on each side of the ball, I think they'll be an exciting team. I just think it's up to a coin flip as to if they'll be good or not. As for my final part of this segment, let's just do a hot take real quick. Uh, thinking of something absurd here, let's say the Buccaneers go 10-6, and six and Jameis is a top five quarterback this season. Why? I can back. I, I could probably back this up. Uh, let's see. He needs it uh, to keep his start. Okay, so Jameis Winston, if he wants to start in the NFL, if he wants to start on the Buccaneers or any other team, he needs to have a season this year. If he doesn't have a good season, he's done, completely done. Nobody's going to want him. If anything, he'll be a career backup for the next three years and fade away into the NFL history books as a bust. Okay, then you have Bruce Arians, who is the quarterback whisperer. You saw what he did with Carson Palmer in Arizona. So why can't he do it with Jameis Winston? Jameis Winston has off-field problems. His his tan intangibles, his tangibles too, his throwing, his accuracy, he's got it. He's really got it when he wants to. The problem is he's so inconsistent and has so much crap off the field that keeps him from being a superstar on it that he needs somebody like Bruce Arians who can get to him and say, listen, this is what you need to do if you want to be successful. And then the last thing, and I think this is super important, is he has a big ego. What... This man believes that he is incredible. Do you remember him at FSU, at Florida State University? He was stealing crab legs. <laughs> I mean, this guy is just, he has such an ego and such a belief in himself and confidence and air about him that I don't think he'll let himself fade away. I don't think he'll let the NFL forget about him. And I think this is the year that he proves that. I think this is the season we see Jameis Winston like the Jameis Winston we expected when he was drafted number one overall. All right, and now for my favorite segment. Here we go. We have the Fantasy Minute. Three fantasy picks you should be cautious about in your fantasy draft. This would normally be the point where I shout out the sponsor of this episode. However, it's the first episode. 
We don't have a sponsor, but next week you can be our sponsor by sliding in my DMs or sending an email to admin at buspotential.com. All right, here we go. Fantasy Minute starts now. Number one, I would say Patrick Mahomes. Avoid him. Avoid him in the first and second round. I am seeing on online draft boards, I'm seeing on Reddit, people saying, hey, I'm going to draft Patrick Mahomes with my first round pick. Hey, I'm going to draft Patrick Mahomes with my second round pick. Are you stupid? Why would you draft Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback, with a first or second round pick? Especially if you're playing in a league like a PPR league like I do. Why would you do that? That's not smart. That's not smart at all, actually. You know what? That is probably the dumbest decision you could make because teams are going to game plan for Patrick Mahomes this year. I'm not saying he's going to be bad. Patrick Mahomes is going to be incredible. He's probably going to be another MVP candidate. But teams are going to game plan for this guy. <laughs> I mean, it's obvious. Now they know Now they know what to expect from Patrick Mahomes. They know what they're going to see from Patrick Mahomes. Right? So don't expect them to put up 30 points a week again because, trust me, last season that was literally just out of this world. I, I'd never seen anything like that. Don't expect that again from him. That's not going to happen. Number two, we have David Johnson. This guy was a hot pick until last weekend, or last week now, last Thursday. The Cardinals showed that they are inexper inexperienced completely. Okay, They have an inexperienced rookie quarterback, an inexperienced rookie head coach, an offensive line that I don't even think they know where they're, that they're playing football. Okay, They look like they, they're just standing there, and as soon as somebody runs towards them, they're like, oh, nope, nope, not me, not me, and they run away. That offensive line is terrible. They are so bad. If you think Kyler Murray can't even get off a throw, how do you think that David Johnson's going to run a yard or two? He's going to get hit so many times at the line of scrimmage, I don't even think he's going to be able to finish the season on the field. He's probably going to be taking on the sideline doing whatever because he's going to be hurt. That offensive line is going to let this poor guy down. I really hope that he's not going to get hurt, but they're going to let him down, and it's obvious. Do not pick David Johnson. Do not waste a pick on David Johnson. Maybe if you have the last pick in the first round, pick David Johnson, but do not waste a top five, six, seven pick on David Johnson. He will fail you. He is not David Johnson from three years ago, okay? And now number three, a top five positional pick, Eric Ebron. Okay, he's kind of a wild one, but the quarterback situation in Indianapolis is so murky. I couldn't even tell you who's starting court, uh, week one, right? You have Jacoby Brissett, who's been playing in Andrew Luck's absent, uh, <clears throat> absence. Where Where is Andrew Luck? Like I mentioned last segment, where is Andrew Luck? I mean, nobody knows where this guy is. He's hurt all the time. If he doesn't come back, Who's throwing the ball to him? You're not going to have Jacoby Brissett whipping that thing 40 yards to Eric Ebron like Andrew Luck did last season. You're not going to have another four-touchdown game from Eric Ebron again like you did last season. That's not going to happen. Also, Jack Doyle is back. The only reason Eric Ebron even got serious minutes was because Jack Doyle is hurt or was hurt. That's not happening this season. Maybe down the line, but hope, hope to God not. I mean, you know, knock on wood, but Jack Doyle's back. Why would Eric Ebron be getting as many snaps as he did last season? And finally, Marlon Mack in the offensive line. <laughs> they have one of the best offensive lines in football. They have Marlon Mack, who last season proved when he started playing that he was a serious back. He was a seriously talented player. So don't think that Eric Ebron, a second-string tight end, is going to be getting the snaps and the receptions and the touchdowns just like he did last season, because I guarantee you that is not happening this year. Avoid him if you need him. Take him for a tight end, two for depth, but don't waste 
uh, tight end one spot on Eric Ebron. It's not worth it. You know, I love the NBA. It's probably my favorite league in the world. I like FIFA. I like NFL. I kind of like the MLB. Not huge on the NHL. But the NBA just captures my excitement. It captures my childhood. Everything just, I love the NBA. But it just, it really seems like the NBA does not like me because guess what they're doing? They are giving the Toronto Raptors Zion Williamson as their opening night game. That sucks. That really sucks. I've been a Toronto Raptors fan since I was a kid, okay? Early teens. What the hell? Why would the NBA give the Toronto Raptors the New Orleans Pelicans, who are the most eyeballed, microscoped team in the NBA, thanks to Zion Williamson, on night one. The night when, it, this could be the last banner that we ever get. And it there's a chance that it could get ruined by Zion Williamson and his teammates. Yep, his teammates. Because Lonzo and Brandon Ingram and the rest of those guys, Jackson Hayes, Drew Holiday, do they really deserve a shout-out? Not really. That is the Zion show and that's final. Zion Williamson is the New Orleans Pelicans right now, and that's all that's going to happen down there for a while because I don't see the rest of that team really doing much. Brandon Ingram, he's kind of been a bust. You have to admit, before last season, yes, he was on the uh, on the rise, but he's kind of been a bust, and nobody wants to admit that either. You you take him second overall, and just, I mean... Yeah, he's, he's been in the league for like, it feels like a decade, but he's been in the league for like five years, four or five years. And now, okay, maybe now he's starting to get it. Yeah, he was drafted at 18, but damn, that many years to just start to really understand your role and become that player that you were supposed to be? That's a long-ass time. But Zion Williamson is supposed to be the Messiah, the second coming of LeBron James, and you're going to give the poor Toronto Raptors who just lost Kawhi Zion Williamson on night one. Wow, I hope to God that Pascal Siakam takes the ball and shoves it right down his throat, folks. Zion Williamson, overrated. I'm saying it right now. I'm hopping on the bandwagon that Zion Williamson is overrated. If he does not develop a jump shot, honestly, I could see him basically being a mix between Ben Simmons and Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins is the laziest player in the NBA. You'll hear enough about that from me throughout the season, but I could see Zion Williamson never developing that jump shot and just being that super athletic, just superstar. He can drive, he can do it all, but he can't shoot. If he learns how to shoot, I'll eat my words. You know, I'll literally sit here and take the script, put it in my mouth, and chew it. But until he proves that, I am going to be Zion's number one diffractor I don't like Zion Williamson as a player. I think he's a great kid. Don't get me wrong. He is such a nice guy. Have you seen the videos of him interacting with people? He is just such a good person. He's got a personality. He's exciting. He would be great in L.A., honestly. He would be awesome in L.A. or New York. <laughs> Imagine if Zion got drafted to the Knicks. Wow, <laughs> what a thought. But Zion is just this super athletic freak of nature that if he doesn't develop a jump shot, he's going to be... The same thing as Ben Simmons, the same thing as Andrew Wiggins. I don't see anything anything greater than that. Everyone's saying he's going to be the next LeBron. I don't see it. I don't buy it. I think Giannis is the next LeBron. Now, that's a whole different situation. I'm not the biggest 
Giannis guy, but I think Giannis has the potential to be the next face of the franchise. And if he is, the game's going to become an international game completely. But back to the actual point here, the Raptors and the Pelicans are going to go head-to-head in Game 1. And we're going to see a basically a new-look Raptors team because they picked up Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. They picked up Stanley Johnson. They picked up Cameron Payne. <laughs> like, I mean, how do you replace Kawhi Leonard with guys like that, with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson? This guy was ran out of Brooklyn, basically. Nobody wanted him. So you mean to tell me that you're going to have Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and OG Ananobi guarding Zion Williamson? Zion Williamson's scary. Now, again, you just heard me say that I don't think he's going to be the next face of the franchise or the, of the NBA, but <laughs> that doesn't mean he's not going to be incredibly good or good, at least. He's huge. He's enormous. And I'm not talking about his stomach. I'm talking about his frame. This guy is huge. He looks like a, like a tank, like a walking human tank. So you're going to take Zion Williamson and put him against those guys. OG Ananobi, he's one of the best perimeter defenders. But Zion's not a perimeter guy. Zion is Zion could play center. Zion's 6'8", but he could play center. He's basically Draymond Green. He has the body of Draymond Green with the mentality of Giannis, just wanting to yam on people all day long. So this is going to be a test for the Raptors to see if, A, can they live up to the hype, right? They just won the championship. Can they continue that even without Kawhi Leonard? And two, what are we working with here? What do we have on both sides? What do we have in Toronto? Will the post-championship hangover, the losing of Kawhi Leonard, will that affect them negatively? Or will they succeed? And then two, what do we have in the Pelicans? Because some people are saying the Pelicans are a playoff-bound team, an eighth-seed, seventh-seed team. I don't know where they're getting that from because none of those players have proved anything. Drew Holiday's played with Anthony Davis for the past, what, since... Uh, Basically, since the year after Derrick Rose got hurt, so that was probably, what, 2013, 2014, he's been in uh, down there in New Orleans. He was traded, I believe that was the Michael Carter-Williams trade. So, what, you've got, you've got this guy who everyone says is a star, and it's his team, and blah, 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 blah. David Griffin says it's his team. It's not Drew Holiday's team, at all. At all. Drew Holiday is not that good. Drew Holiday is good, but he's not that good. He's played with Anthony Davis for the past few years, and nothing's happened there. They made the playoffs, what, one time? What happened? <laughs> yeah, okay. They beat the Blazers. So what? What, is that, what does that turn into? What kind of success is that? Why is that a success metric? Why is winning one playoff series against an underachieving team a, a success metric? It shouldn't be. So we get to see what the Raptors are going to be this season and what the Pelicans are going to be this season. And I am so excited because I think the Raptors are going to be just another superstar team. They don't have a superstar, but I think they're going to be like the Pistons in 04. They're going to be that team without a superstar, but they're going to succeed off of the sum of the parts, not the whole. All right, I'm sorry, the sum of the whole, not the parts. They don't need Kawhi Leonard to contend in the East. The East, I mean, the East is, is very good this year. Uh, surprisingly, it's been so bad the past few years, but this year it is solid. It is loaded. There are players all over the place. But the Raptors are well coached. The Raptors also all fit together. So I think they can pull it off. As for the Pelicans, I don't see them being a playoff team. I don't see them uh, doing that much damage. I see them being maybe a, let's see, get the 13th, 12th, 13th pick. 
probably like a higher end lottery team if you want to call it that. But on opening night, that's not the only game that's going on. No, 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 no. The more exciting game, according to most of sports media, is the L.A. rivalry battle for L.A. Kawhi, Paul George, and the Clippers versus LeBron, Anthony Davis, and the Lakers. Oh, my God, what a game. <laughs> what a game. Everyone says the Lakers are going to win that game because LeBron is a media darling who everyone loves to watch, but... His age 34-35 season, I think you're going to start seeing the cliff for LeBron James. Where everyone says that, oh, LeBron still got it. He's going into beast mode this year. He's going to be a superstar again. He's got to get the throne. I mean, you saw that post he made, right? It was after uh, David Griffin talked about him with all the emojis, the fire emojis. That talk is cheap. And of all people, LeBron James should know that. Talk is cheap. Remember uh, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five championships? Remember that? Yeah, they left with two. <laughs> they left with a two and two record in the finals when the Heat were all said and done. After four years, that was all they lasted. So LeBron James should know that talk is very cheap. But he still continues to do it. And I think we're going to see that on night one, the Clippers are the significantly better basketball team. The Lakers are all fluff. They're all fluff. I mean, you have a bunch of guys who are superstars who are entertaining to watch, but they're all fluff. The Clippers are better built, they're better coached, and they have significantly less egos in the locker room, okay? They have just a team built around two stars that don't like attention, that don't like the noise. They just want to go and ball. They just want to go and play and win. That's all they care about. Look at Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard put a whole country on his back and said, no, 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 you guys got me for a season. Let me get you a chip real quick. That's what Kawhi Leonard basically did last season. Come on, folks. Come on. Wake up and understand that the L.A. rivalry isn't even a rivalry. The Clippers are the better team. Right? Because they don't have the extra distractions. They don't have the bullshit that the Lakers have, that the Lakers have to deal with. The Clippers have... Guys who are dedicated, who want to win, and who want to see success. Not the Lakers who want to film Space Jam 2 and go ahead and party and whatever. The Lakers are not focused. Also, the Lakers have a lot of injuries. They're thinking of bringing Dwight Howard in. Dwight Howard's been injured the past, like, five years consecutively, every season. Actually, since he left Orlando, he's basically been hurt every single year. How is that going to fix anything? DeMarcus Cousins got hurt. How is, how is bringing in another injury-prone center going to fix anything? Come on. The Lakers are still the Lakers of always. They're just looking for a big splash. They're looking for a splashy name, somebody who's entertaining, who will entertain people, and that's it. That's it. That's all you're going to get from the Lakers. Fun game, not that good. Entertaining to watch, going to make the playoffs, going to be a top-four team, but not going to win the championship, not a serious contender. That's the truth, and it's it for a lot of people, that's hard to believe, especially people who love LeBron. I like LeBron. I don't love LeBron, but I like LeBron. But people who love LeBron think, oh, Lakers have it in the bag this year. It's not that easy. But night two, <laughs> night two of the NBA season follows up with some action-packed matchups, like the extremely exciting Bulls versus Hornets matchup. Oh, yeah. Get to watch uh, Terry Rozier literally show Michael Jordan how much money he wasted on the court. Basically, a physical representation of how much money Michael Jordan basically just threw into the garbage. Terry Rozier sucks. He is not good. 
He had one overrated playoff series and one average regular season. And everyone th- and he thinks he deserves all the money in the world, all the success in the world, all the starting jobs in the world, an all-star, bur- an all-star selection. He doesn't. But we'll see. Maybe he'll prove me wrong this season. I hope he does for his sake. I hope he does prove me wrong. Then we have the Pistons Pacers. The Pacers are a team that I really hope get it together this year. I would love to root on the Pacers. They're so, they have such a lovable team. They have Oladipo. That's a great story. They have Brogdon, another great story. Uh, Sabonis, that's another one. And Miles Turner, too. Miles Turner is an awesome. He seems like such an awesome dude, right? Like, he just looks like he just likes that fun and just, except he's seven feet tall, so it just looks funny while he's having fun. Then you have Kyrie in the Nets versus the Timberwolves. One of my least favorite teams in the NBA. We'll get to that throughout the season. Uh, if they got rid of Andrew Wiggins, they would no longer be one of my least favorite teams. But as long as Wiggins is there, he will uh, he will stay that they will stay that way. Then you have the Grizzlies versus Jimmy Butler in the Heat, which should be interesting. Jimmy Butler in Miami, I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But what is to be exciting that night? What actually actual games are going to be exciting? You have the Celtics and the Sixers who are two of the top, I'd say, five teams in the East. Uh, I I really think the Celtics, everyone thinks they've dropped off after losing Kyrie. I think they got better without Kyrie. Kyrie, I have such a love-hate relationship with Kyrie Irving. I think he's so talented on the court, so strange off of it, uh, and also has such a weird ego. You know, he one second he's like, I love you, my Earth family, uh, light years bless you, right? And then the next, he's like, nah, bro, give me the ball. I want it. That's mine. Get out of here. This is my team. What is that? You can't switch on a dime like that. What is that? So without that kind of duality, bipolarity in the locker room next season, I think they have a steadier leader in Kemba Walker, a guy who's just going to tell it to you straight. He doesn't care so much about the fluff. He just wants to win. He spent his whole career in Charlotte doing nothing except giving the best years of his career to an average, mediocre, barely making the playoffs, Charlotte Hornets team that never knew how to build around him. So I really think the Celtics are a top five team in the in the East. I can totally see them competing for the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know about the Finals, but definitely the Eastern Conference Finals. And then they're facing the Sixers, who after this offseason, wow. <laughs> wow. That team is good. That team is very, 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 very good. They are probably the top dog in the East this season. Uh, I'd put the Raptors at three, Bucks at two. They are very, very talented. Um, I, I, what do I even? What do you even say about the 76ers that's negative? You know, they have every position set. They maybe could use a little bit more shooting, but if they just overwhelm people with their size and athleticism, and Al Horford can shoot too, and so can Joel Embiid, I, I don't see any issues for them getting to the finals. I see this being the year that the Sixers actually jump the hump and get to the finals. Uh, Then you also have the Nuggets and Blazers playing on night two, which for a late game, I mean, two teams that market-wise aren't that exciting, but they are very good. I mean, they're, they're two of the most underrated teams, undervalued teams. Nobody buys the Nuggets. They think that last season was a fluke. Nobody buys the Blazers. Everyone thinks that last season was a fluke. But I think this game is going to show people that, hey, these guys were serious last year when they showed you that they could be the second seed in the West or go to the Western Conference Finals, respectively. I I see it being a really good matchup, and uh, both teams going out there to try and show that they are what they set the precedent to be last season. 
Then, as for games, I'm excited to see, just in general, um, I th- you know what? I'm going to talk about the Raptors first. Let's just get that out of the way, because it's obviously on my mind. I'm so excited for the obvious one, Raptors Clippers. I want to see Kawhi play in Toronto again. I want to see the fans cheer for him. I want to see him, you know, wave and go, <laughs> I can't wait to watch that. I can't wait to hear that, see that, you know. Uh, I, th- <laughs> I can't believe I just did that laugh. Um I think it's going to be a really exciting, exciting game to watch. But then also, you have to be excited if you're a Raptors fan for Raptors Spurs. I mean, how can you not want to see DeMar DeRozan again? He's my favorite Raptor of all time. He's my favorite player in the NBA. I I still wear my DeMar DeRozan jersey when I go to Raptors games. Last season, I went, still rocked that thing. I don't care. Doesn't matter. DeRozan will always be my favorite Raptor. He's the one that I grew up with, so... Uh, I'm super excited to see him come back to the six and take on take on the Raptors. And then also the 76ers. And the reason I think the Sixers are, are going to be a good matchup for them is because they're going to be the toughest team to beat in the East. I, you heard me say it a, a minute ago. They are very talented. And to see them go against the Raptors, you it'll basically show us, are the Raptors good enough to go to the finals again? Or was last season last season? And this is a totally different season. There's no chance that they're going to make it without Kawhi Leonard. Uh, then for matchups that I'm more, I'd say just more excited for, right? You've got teams like, or matchups like the Blazers versus the Heat. Weird one, right? I mean, people are going to be like, what are you talking about? Well, I want to see Whiteside go against the Miami Heat. He basically stole, (laughs) what was it, like $70 million from the Miami Heat over the past three seasons. He He hated Miami. I don't know how you could hate Miami. You have... Not only the team, right, with Pat Riley, with Eric Spolstra, with with just the the guys that are there too, and Dragic and Justice Winslow, Bam Adebayo, but you've got Miami. How do you hate Miami? I mean, to go to, from Miami to Portland, that is night and day completely, you know. So I think Hassan, he just had some extra things going on. I don't think he wanted to be there at all. I think he just probably didn't like his teammates and the team. Uh, but I'm excited to see him go against them. I, I want to see what they can do versus the Blazers and against him, and I want to see what he can do. And if he actually has that third drive, second motor, whatever you want to call it, uh, to be good against his former team and show the Blazers, hey, I can turn it on when I need to. And I'm still that guy that they signed to that big contract. Uh, then speaking of the Heat, I'm excited to watch Timberwolves versus Heat. I think Jimmy Butler is a lunatic. But I love it because I like players who are tough, defensive, and kind of crazy. So I want to see Jimmy Butler just go absolutely AWOL on Cat and Andrew Wiggins. I think Cat is great, but I think he's soft, just like Jimmy Butler. And I think Andrew Wiggins is lazy, and he is so overrated. There, at this point now, he's starting to be getting that bust label. But I think that bust label should have came three years ago because... Andrew Wiggins has never been good. Even his rookie season, he was so pedestrian, it hurt. Watching Andrew Wiggins play basketball is like watching a 40-year-old at the gym. He is so, he doesn't care. You see him, and he got paid, he got his money, he got, what, $150 million? What the hell? He doesn't care. He didn't deserve that money in the first place, and now he especially doesn't care. So, I can't wait to watch Jimmy Butler just ruin their night. Uh, I'm super excited for that. I will be watching that NBA League Pass wherever I need to watch it. It'll be watched. Uh, then as for the Bucks, I like I said before, I'm not huge on Giannis. I like Giannis, but I'm not huge on him. 
but I'm excited to see him go against Kawhi because I think he has a serious bone to pick with Mr. Kawhi Leonard for embarrassing the Bucks last year after the Bucks picked up a 2-0 lead on the series and then the Raptors went ahead and won four straight on the backs of Pascal Siakam and Kawhi Leonard. So I think that's going to be a really fun matchup to watch and see if Giannis can actually pull it together and get that stuff done and actually get a victory against Kawhi Leonard. As for Zion, as promised, I, you know what? Like I said, I am excited to see Zion, but I don't think he's going to be that next GOAT that everyone else thinks. But uh, for this season, I want to see him go against LeBron for very obvious reasons. Giannis, again, very obvious reasons. I want to see him against Paul George and Kawhi because those two guys are going to make him sweat. They're going to make him work for those buckets. I don't see him putting up more than 15 points against them, if that if he can even get there. Paul George and Kawhi are two of the best wing defenders in the NBA. They're also two of the best small forwards in the NBA, and they're also two of the best just defenders in general in the NBA. So putting Zion against them, I don't see him doing anything against those two. I think they're going to brick wall him and stonewall him, really, uh, not even let him do much. Then I want to see him go against Luka, because I think Luka has a better chance at being the next star of the NBA than Zion does. I really think Luka has everything that you need in a superstar and then some. And he obviously is so motivated, so, so motivated. I think Zion is a great kid, like I said, but I don't think he has the motivation that Luka has. Luka's got Luka's got that second level that he can get to. Then you've got Justice Winslow, who I'm excited to see him go against. I, you know what? I don't know why I like Justice Winslow so much. I just really, really enjoy watching this guy play uh, from his Duke days even to now. I just like watching Justice Winslow. I think he's an entertaining guy. I think he's a nice dude. Uh, you know, his game is so interesting. Last season, he was even playing point guard, but he's a defensive guy. He's a tough, tough player. He doesn't really have a shot per se, but he, he makes it work. I mean, you know, he this could be a make it or break a year for him, you know, if, if he should move forward as a starter still or if he should go off the bench. But I really like James, uh, I'm sorry, not James Winston, uh, really like Justice Winslow and think that he should be given uh, that opportunity to go against Zion and, and show that he can lock him up and stop it. And then also, last but not least, I think the R.J. Barrett-Zion-Williamson matchup is what everyone wants to see. They want to see if R.J. can hold his own against his former teammate and if Zion can embarrass his former teammate in the city that he should have ended up in, but didn't. Again, Sorry, Knicks fans. I just can't help myself on that one. Then, one little thing I just want to throw in there. This has really nothing to do with the NBA schedule, but I want to see Mello go to the Nets. I don't know about anybody else, but I really want to see Carmelo Anthony get one last season, and I want to see him play in New York. If the Knicks don't want him back, even though they should, I hope he goes to the Nets. I really want to see Carmelo Anthony end up somewhere where he can just show that, yeah, he's still viable, you know, even if it's just 10 minutes a game, just show, hey, I can still ball and I deserve this, I have a Hall of Fame career, I earned it, so I really, you know, I, I hope to see Mello out on the hardwood this year, and if he does, I want, I can't wait for Braun versus Mello, that's going to be such a great game, especially the last one, hopefully it'll be something like how Wade Wade versus LeBron was because that was so it, it was actually so bittersweet to watch that last game between LeBron and Dwayne Wade uh, so I think this one would be just as bittersweet if not a little more because Melo and LeBron have been synonymous with each other since high school so I, th I think it'll be a really really good one to watch
Well, that's the show this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I couldn't be any happier with how this came out. This inaugural episode was so much fun to make. I mean, it definitely took an hour, two hours to uh, edit because I don't know how to do any of this stuff, but definitely going to get better as time goes on. And we'll keep learning, keep making it better, and make For the Record a popular show down the road. Make sure to like, subscribe, favorite, five-star, whatever it is, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much, and I'll see you on the next one.